you're visiting this morning, it's wonderful to have you. You've joined us on a very significant day in the life of One Hope. We've been in a season of transition, a season of changing, uh, of leadership, and I've had the great joy of having Ryan, who will share with us this morning, and lead the ordination, uh, journeying with us as elders in One Hope uh, on this journey of transition from the Hotsons uh, into the Bowleys coming and taking over leadership of this wonderful church. And uh, very grateful for that incredible father voice uh, of Ryan and Kate joining as well, and uh, Steph and Kaz also from Somerset West, walking a journey with us. If any of you have been uh, kind of in a leadership position, in a leadership transition, <laughs> it's not an easy thing. And we really need the grace and wisdom and love of God and of those around us who he puts around us. So we really, really just want to honor you guys and thank you in this, lead, uh, this season of transition how you've journeyed with us. And it's really been, I can honestly say, blessed. It's been rich. It's been full of the goodness of God through the hardness and through the beauty of it. Uh, if you've walked through leadership transitions, you'll know that's not always the case. And so we really want to praise God this morning for what he has done in the last sort of 18 months in the life of this congregation. If you are joining us, this is a big moment, so we're grateful to have you. Join us afterwards, get to know a few more people. There'll be good food and a little fun we're going to have together, so don't run home, but do join us afterwards. Ryan, can I welcome you up uh, to share with us this morning? Ryan leads a congregation uh, of Common Ground Church in Cape Town. He's also on the global leadership team of Advance, which is a network of churches globally that we as One Hope are also part of, so privileged to have you here the, uh, this morning, Ryan. I've known Ryan for quite a long time, or... I think I've known him. I don't know if he's known me. I just listened to his sermons when I was a kid. Yeah, that's some story. <laughs> about baits. Little baits. Little baits, yeah. Not, not for today, though. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just awesome to have Ryan sharing with us. I'd love to pray for you, Ryan, as you, as you share. Thank you, God, for your word that is alive. Thank you for Ryan, a willing vessel, to come and share this morning. I pray your anointing of your spirit over him. Uh, that his words would be your words and that they would bless your people, Father. And as he leads the ordination, Father, that your spirit would just be upon him and upon this whole morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning, One Hope. It is a real privilege to be back with you guys and to be standing here. And normally this is where I'd say a whole bunch of warm and fuzzy things, right, out of our relationship. But I'm actually going to get there a little bit later uh, and so I'm going to pause on saying nice things about you and our relationship for a moment, okay? What I am going to do is just tell you how encouraged I am out of particularly the place of worship this morning. So I have the privilege of being in churches actually pretty much around the world. And one of the things that you come to learn very quickly and experience very quickly is, are these a worshiping people? And see, bands can have their moments and their days, and sound can have its moments and its days, and be up or down or, in, you know, whatever it is. But whether a people press through that to praise their gods, that becomes very tangible and evident very quickly. And I just thought, wow, what a privilege to stand here with all of your voices. We're sitting in the front, just booming out behind us. You are a worshiping people, and that is a very good things. So encourage you, one hope in that. Continue to be a worshiping people because even as we sing, we're responding, but even as we sing, we're declaring what our hearts need to know and hear most above all other noises and voices in our worlds. We are worshiping people. So I just want to encourage you in that. But I want to start this morning by jumping into, we're going to preach 
We're going to weave a few things into uh, kind of preaching and from the text, and then we're going to do ordinations at the end. But I want to start by reading you a story. Maybe some of you have heard of Rabbi Akiva. Has anybody heard of Rabbi Akiva? Great. Well, I'm going to read you Rabbi Akiva's story this morning. And, and it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a rabbi named Akiva who was walking home one night on the same path that he always traveled, except that this night was incredibly foggy and his path was barely visible. So he gets to the point in the road where he usually turns, but because he couldn't fully see, he misses his turn and he keeps wandering further in the wrong direction until he comes to a massive fortress without realizing it because of the mist and as he approaches the fortress in the mist he hears the voice of one of the fortress guards calling out to him from the fortress wall who are you and why are you here rabbi akiva upon hearing these words immediately responds how much do they pay you to do this the guard, a little taken back by the question, quickly uttered, what, what do you mean? Why are you, why are you asking me this? The rabbi then persisted further. I'm sure you get paid something to be a guard and to ask these questions. How much do they pay you? Two shekels a day, the guard responded. Rabbi Akiva then looks up at the guard and confidently says, I will pay you twice that if you will come to my home, stand at my gate and ask me those very same questions every single morning. What is Rabbi Akiva on about? Rabbi Akiva is clearly saying those two questions are pretty importance. Those two questions are so important to every single one of us. Who are you and why are you here? And I think his point is to say that those two questions are so important that they sh should take a place of prominence in our lives, so much so that he's willing to have a person stand at his gates and every day as he goes out and as he comes in, ask him those two questions to once again center his life around the biggest questions that should have answers and if they're the right answers, should infiltrate everything that he gives himself to. Who are you? And why are you here? Now, for all the Afrikaners in the room, any Afrikaners in the room? Okay, there's a few. There's a few. Come on, guys, more proudly than that. Come on. Okay, I grew up in an Afrikaans boarding school, not too far from here in Wellington, right? And a friend of mine who hadn't seen me since boarding school bumped into me in a church. And this story reminds me of that moment because as he bumped into me in a church, most probably five or six years after finishing high school, the first words that came out of his mouth, we hadn't seen each other in a long time, were, Ryan, what mark, yay! And what was he asking? Ryan, what are you doing in a church? And in a sense, he was kind of going, the Ryan I know is kind of, who are you and what are you doing here, is somewhat incompatible with this context of bumping into you in the context of the church. Cool story, right? And we then found out that both of us had found Jesus since high school and, and God had changed our lives. But this morning, I actually am not primarily wanting to speak to you about your life personally. Who are you and why are you here? One hope, I want to ask these two questions of you as a church. Who are you and why are you here? And it's my hope that as we unpack 
these things, we will find ourselves with fresh anticipation and clarity of vision and hunger and passion to give ourselves to being who God sees us as and to give ourselves to what God calls us to. Does that make sense? And I'm hoping by the end of this, Bates did some announcements, right? I'm hoping by the end of this, the picnic that we're about to have has whole new meaning for us as the people of God, as we answer those questions. Who are we and why are we here? I'm hoping that the think nights will find fresh priority. The fact that we're rallying into Alpha would find fresh priority. All of us saying, yes, this is why we're here. And Alpha is going to be a vehicle to help us do what God has called us to do and be who God has called us to be. And camp. Hey, it's not just great and you can bring your kids or you can go as a single. No, camp has whole new meaning when we understand the answer to these questions. Who are we? Why are we here? And then what we're going to do is we're going to hit it at two levels, right? We're going to hit it at kind of like the cosmic Jesus commission level. And then we're going to hit it at the local church working this out level. Those are the two levels that we're going to answer this question on. So the high level, clarity of Jesus commission, right? We all know these, these words really well. Matthew 28, Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He's died. He's resurrected. He's about to go to heaven and he commissions the very first disciples. And he says, hey, this is what I'm commissioning you into. He says, uh, Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm guessing there's most probably not a person in the room that has never heard those verses. But I'm also guessing that not everybody has seen the four alls that Jesus speaks to in these verses, right? And these four alls that we find in these verses really do help us understand the answer to this question at a cosmic kind of Jesus commission level. Who are we and why are we here? Listen to the alls. Firstly, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus. So he is leader and Lord. One of the first things that we have to realize as Christ followers is we are not leader and Lord. He is leader and Lord. We, we, we are recognizing his largeness and in chargeness and that we are followers of Jesus. That's who we are. We are his disciples. I think this should encourage us, church, to a place of greater dependence and hunger and longing for his purposes to be fulfilled in our lives and through this community. The second all is this. Second all is this. All nations. That's who Jesus has in sights, in his sights, right? When it comes to the good news, he has all nations in his view. He wants the good news to come to everyone. And every church exists to see that happen. All nations reached. We've all got a part to play. We'll come back to this a little bit later. Our part's also impossible. It's impossible that our part will be the whole, right? And that's why we call it a part of this great commission. All nations. The third all is this. What do we go with? All that he has commanded us. See, we don't have to make up your truth and my truth. 
I'm not sure, but I'm a bit confused by that concept, right? Just me personally, maybe some others. See, we've been given the truth in Jesus. He's, he's not just brought truth or spoken truth. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And we get to base all that we do as the local church on the life and teachings and ministry and commission of Jesus. But how's that possible? The fourth all is a little harder to find. It's only possible because he promises this, and I will be with you always. Always. I will be with you. It will be his presence with us, his commissioning upon us. That is so powerful for us to be able to do this. All authority, all nations, all that he has commanded, and he promises he will be with us always. One Hope Church, if you're wanting to understand who you are, you are disciples of the King. You want to understand what He has called you to do? What are you doing here? You are on mission with Him to see the glory and fame of Jesus reach the ends of the earth. The very depths of our hearts as disciples and the very ends of the earth in the commission that He has us on and the promises He is with us. That's the high level answer, right? Got that? Bank that? This is unique. I mean, this is not unique to One Hope Church. This is for all churches across the globe. And yet, what we're going to do now is see how the disciples, as they receive this commission, what do they do with it? What do they do with it? The disciples then receive this commission from Christ, the head of the church, and they go out. And as they go out, they start to preach the good news. They start to start communities, churches, around followers who've come to know Christ and we see that replicated again and again and again. And this church exists because that continues to happen. That continues to happen. So let's look at the ground level, the outworking of this through one local church. We're going to look at the church, the Philippian church, right? And, and I want to draw your attention to the first 11 verses of chapter 1 of Philippians. And let's see how this is worked out. This who are you and why are you here is worked out at the ground level of a local church. Paul and Timothy, just context, we know that Paul, Acts 16, Paul gets this Macedonian call. He comes over. He tries to go to the synagogue. That doesn't work. They're outside the city. They're preaching to some of the ladies that are cleaning. Lydia, this merchant, gets saved. A church starts in her home, and that's the genesis of what is gathered here, right? And Paul now is in prison, and he is writing back to this church that he was part of. Of establishing Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. I'm going to say Philippi a whole bunch of times because I'm Cape Tonian, right? <laughs> but it's Philippi. You could also insert Stellenbosch there if you wanted to, for the sake of what we're focusing on here this morning. With the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord. Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. It's not hard to pray for you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. 
for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernments, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. One Hope Church, this is God's word to you this morning. May we receive it as the very words of Christ, the head of the church, to us. This is such a rich passage, right? Alex Mortier, he actually says this is such a rich passage. It is a remarkably full summary of the constitution of a New Testament church. That's how he refers to it, right? In other words, he's saying, hey, this is a great display, an example of the different elements of what a church is biblically called to be and what a church should look like, what it should have in place. We see here first the external apostolic leaders, Paul and Timothy. Described here as servants of Christ Jesus. And we know that obviously Paul had planted the church and so he was critical, but now he's in jail. So he's writing to encourage them. He speaks about how much he's praying for them. But then also by chapter two, we're going to see that Paul saying, hey, this Timothy that I'm referring to here, I'm going to send him to you because I've got no one else like him. And he is going to be deputized to come and serve you. And guess what? He is going to do a beautiful job in that because he says in chapter 2, he will be genuinely, cons- genuinely concerned for your welfare, church. Not like others who are out for personal gain. And I want to say, well done, One Hope Church. You guys are living this out today, right? My standing here is a great expression of what's happening right here. And it's such a privilege to do so. Walking this road with this leadership team has been such a privilege. I remember Kate and I sitting with Paul and Kate uh, grappling in the very, very early stages of we think God is speaking to us. Help us steward this. What a precious place to be welcomed into. And then to journey with the eldership team as that became a more kind of leadership team grapple. And then to journey with the extended leadership team as we now got to the place of going, yes, we feel like God's in this, but Lord, what does that mean for us? Who would you have come and lead this team? And seeing the thorough process that this eldership team and the extended leadership team has walked on this has been a beautiful thing to witness. And I want to publicly commend the leaders of this church for the journey that they have walked. And then I want to say to be invited to stand here in this day, have the first interruption conversation with Gareth and Nadine in the background. What is that about? There's a whole story there, right? But then to see that kind of interruption conversation become God's interruption and his provision for this community and have the privilege to stand here today and participate Not in the facilitating of kind of a a high honor moment. No, to to have the privilege of participating as an outsider inside what's happening in the life of this church. And to see hands laid on Gareth as he steps into being an elder in this church and being invited by this eldership team to play point leader. What a great 
privilege. Church, you're living out the very expression of who God calls you to be and what God calls you to out of the very words of Scripture. Secondly, and most probably more importantly, we see this other category of people. Who is Paul writing to? He starts with the saints. The saints. Guys, our predominant primary identification as sons and daughters of God in the family of God is all of us are saints. We are saints, right? That word is so rich with doctrine and life-changing understanding. It's a primary matter of identity for us as children of God. If you want to answer to who are you personally and as a collective, you are saints. Paul Tripp, in the, his book, Dangerous Calling, when he's speaking about the dangers of church leadership, he says one of the falsehoods that leaders fall into is when they start to believe that they've become the head and they are no longer the body. That is a dangerous place to be. There is only one head to this body and the rest of us are all body. We are all predominantly saints, right? Look no further. And who are we? We saints in Christ Jesus. Paul in chapter 3, the same letter, he goes on to speak about he doesn't have a righteousness which is his own, only that which has been given to him by Christ. Our sainthood is not within ourselves. Ryan, what mark ye in kerk? There's nothing in you that makes you worthy of him. But I have found myself rescued and saved and imputed upon me a righteousness which is not my own and a sinfulness which is very much mine given to a Savior who willingly took it on. This is the beauty of what it means to be saints. I want to say that I'm feeling a bit of a charge here to One Hope Church this morning. And so under each of these points, I'm actually going to charge you, church, into how God sees you and how God would answer those questions. Who are you and why are you here? And it's my hope that a a fresh understanding of your identity in Him and your purpose in Him comes and settles upon the church even as we do do this. So one hope, one hope you are saints. Can I encourage you freshly to recognize yourself as Christ sees you this morning, holy, set apart in Christ Jesus. This is who you are. Thirdly, we do see another group of people, another component of the New Testament church spoken to here, who are at Philippi, who are at Philippi, right? This is, this is not incoincidental, right? He's not just kind of stating geography. I, I believe the Apostle Paul says, hey, there is a beautiful dynamic at play here. You are the church that is there where you are. Eugene Peterson said, serving Christ is geographical as much as it is theological. In other words, the way we serve Christ is contextual. And and I want to say that under the sovereign hand of God, this is not without consequence. These are people placed here by God. And One Hope Church, you are people placed here by God. You may think you're just here in Stelis for a job or the mountain or maybe here to study Like, ah, I'm going to be here for a couple of years. Let me tell you, that is way too small 
a view and understanding of the sovereignty of God at work in the fullness of the world, including your life. He has placed you here for purpose. Every local church should carry the hugest heart on the planet for their place in the world. Guess what? I've got a huge heart for Stellenbosch, but it's never going to be nearly as big as the people who live here, right? Guess what? I, I've got a huge heart for Rondebosch. That's where we are. That's the community that God's called us to serve. What are the chances I can do much about Stellenbosch? Very little. But man, I can, I can most probably play a part, right? In Rondebosch. Likewise, you can play a part here, even though you can't do much about Rondebosch, right? We carry the world in our hearts, but man, we serve and love the people God has put us amongst. Let me charge you, One Hope Saints in Stellenbosch freshly recognize that God has placed you here for His specific purpose. God has work for you to do here in this place. And I want to ask the church to say what is the work He has called us to do, but I want to ask you, the church, every single one of you that makes up the church, to say what do you believe God has placed you for here? Have you maybe dialed back your your kind of openness to his direction in that. Have you dialed back in any way in anticipation that he may want to use you? Can I encourage you today? Repent, change your thinking on that and be open to God using you. And then we have two other leadership designations, right? Recognizing the church in Paul's greeting. He says, the saints are together with the elders and deacons. And let me just say, today in our kind of anti-leadership, ever-growing kind of anti-leadership sentiment, we can find ourselves kind of needing to be reminded that, that leadership is a genuine gift from God. It is a genuine gift from God. It is part of His plan. My one friend says, hey, we mustn't believe that it's some kind of new era mutiny, right? that popped up somewhere along the lines, and now we must put that mutiny in its place. No. I love how Judges 5 and verse 2 says it, and I know I've quoted this very verse in this church before. When leaders lead and followers follow, praise the Lord. That's what the verse says, right? And I quote it regularly because I think what, what they're getting at there and the scriptures are encouraging us in is when leaders lead and play their part courageously. Guys, let me tell you, none of us who are in leadership today do it for the privilege or the paycheck. The privilege is not worth the price and the paycheck isn't either. The reality is there is a call by God to be leaders in the context of his church and his mission. It is like Christ, a life laid down. That's the call of leadership. And so when leaders do it, willingly give themselves to playing their part in part of God's plan. And when followers respond to that, get on board and say, yes, Lord, thank you for this gift that is here for the building up and the maturity and the goodness of this community. We receive it, we respond to it, and we're going to live in your purposes. That's the church that God says, praise the Lord over it should cause worship to happen in us because it is a good thing that he's put in place when it works like it should. I'm not trying to dispel the fact that so much leadership has gone wrong in our world. I think we're all acutely aware of that. But that doesn't mean we don't, we give up on leadership. The antidote to wrong use is not no use, it's correct use. 
and we give ourselves to that. Leaders are servant-hearted, right? That's what we see here. Servants, Christ-like. They're servants. they Christ-like. They're part of his plan for the flourishing of the people. And, and it's familial, right? It's familial. Gareth, I've heard Gareth say this before. The church isn't like a family. The church is a family, right? And, and it's familial. God has called two groups of leaders to serve in different ways. We have elders, right? Elders that are set apart to, to lead God's family locally like fathers, giving themselves to serving and caring and guarding and guiding and governing. These are things, gifts that God has given to the church, and we'll unpack that a little more later. Ultimately, Jesus is always our example. His example of the heart, his example of the life laid down, his example of service, man, that's our example. And later when we come to laying hands on Gareth, as he steps into the office of being an elder here, that's what we're going to be doing. This is not ceremonial. No, we believe that there is a, a, a call of God, and then we believe that there is a corresponding grace and anointing from God to do so. We believe that's going to take place here this morning. He's one called, we believe, by God to love and lead the people of one hope along with the rest of this eldership team. And then we also see deacons, right? Deacons, that word literally means servants, directly translated. And the Bible doesn't actually say, hey, this is what the servants have to do exactly. What it does say is it says, hey, these are the qualifications of these servants. And, and, and you've got qualifications for male deacons and female deacons. And this is what their kind of character should look like. And then they should, along with the elders, serve the local church. In lots of different ways, practical ways, leadership ways, pastoral ways, they should serve and carry weights of responsibility in the life of the church, ideally to release the elders to do what only elders can do. And you get to figure it out, local church. But here's two other little kind of things. I'm not sure if you see them in the text, but they kind of come out there. I wonder if we can put up that slide with all the S's, right? Maybe next slide. There we go. One of the things we see is every single one of these examples is plural. The apostolic external voices, plural. Paul and Timothy servants, right? To the saints, plural. To the overseers, plural. To the deacons, plural. Guys, let me tell you, it is in the very nature of God himself, Godhead, triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we would live our lives out in plurality. Plurality is beautiful and plurality is powerful. And at every single level from God himself through to us as the saints and leaders and deacons and elders, it's plurality. Even marriage and family, it's plurality. And friendship, it's plurality. There's power and beauty in plurality. We often say in advance amongst our churches, we do believe we're genuinely better together. You can try and make it on your own, but we believe we genuinely better together and these local leaders it says with the saints it doesn't say over the saints or in front of the saints or under the saints no it says together with the saints these are important things so one hope church saints here in Stellenbosch let me charge you recognize receive and celebrate the gifts of God given to you in servant leadership it is for your good, it is for your maturity, and it is for the mission of Christ.
Will you receive it today? Now, those are four clearly distinguishable characteristics of the local church. How every church should work it out really, right? Outside apostolic relationships, speaking into the church, helping shape and church made up of saints, priesthood of all believers, set apart holy, involved in the mission together. And then you have these geographically located dynamics of this is where God's got you and deacons and elders led, all of that. A remarkable full summary of the constitution of a New Testament church. That is who you are. God calls you to so much. But I want to say that these verses popped out to me not just because of the hey, this is what the church is. But some of the kind of softer elements of how Paul interacts with this church so resonate for me in this moment in the life of One Hope. And even for me as a leader speaking into the life of this church. I want to say I really do believe that that One Hope is doing well. It's doing well on, on these things that churches are called to. But I want to also say with as much confidence, I believe there is more. I believe there is more. Let's look at one of the other things that we see displayed here and who the church is called to be and what it's called to do. The church, this church, is marked by real gospel relationships. Now, Bates didn't know what I was going to be speaking about here this morning. Didn't actually tell any of the elders, I don't think. Did I? No. But when Bates stands up and he goes, guys, this is family. This is, we want to do this together. That's gospel relationship. It's the, the reality that there's not a chance that you and I would likely be friends if it wasn't for the saving grace of Jesus Christ that interrupted both of our lives and now we have found each other. And now we are family. That is a beautiful picture. And those, those relationships happen in the local church and beyond the local church to others, other churches, other leaders. And I just want to say I resonate so much with how Paul writes to the church in Philippi when he says this about them. He says, I thank God, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. It's a joy to be praying for you, he says. It's not hard. He says, I think it's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. That's, that's beautiful gospel relationship outside of the church. And guys, I want to say, I, I resonate with that. Why? Because I've known Bates since he was in early high school. And I can tell you little Bates stories. <laughs> and I've known Jen since she was in primary school. And I've known Ollie and Deb since they had love in their eyes and found each other. And the same with Johan and Sunei kind of arriving and kind of new love and all of that. Like, what a beautiful privilege to have walked that road with these people. I, I remember sit sitting with Johannes and Ali and with Nathan and Mandy and, and, and sitting and grappling with their strengths. Wondering, hey, could God one day call these men to be elders in this church? Sitting in Bates' house in Hermanus. And grappling with those things. And, and, and some of the, oh, wow, we wired like this. Oh, no wonder. Oh, oh, this is who God's made us. And then sitting in your home as an eldership team, along with our wives, grappling with some really deep stuff. Guys, this, these things, 
being on mission together. They, they knit our hearts together. We will celebrate eternity with each other, but in this time, we are better together because of gospel partnership inside the church and outside of the church in the larger body of Christ. I've had the privilege of most probably having, I don't know how many hours, Johannes would calculate that kind of thing, but many, many hours with the staff. And, and when I greet Shah, where's Shah? There she is at the back. It's not Shah, it's Marsha. Why? Because I know she is like a motherly figure to so many in this community. And her heart for seeing people come through Alpha and the students serve is so beautiful. And Rob's continually stirring us on things. Where's Rob? She ran away. She was in the front there. Rob's continually stirring us on matters of justice. But also Rob's always continually being stirred, crying at every single, you know, opportunity. It's the gospel, the good news, the sadness of people. I mean, Rob's cries everywhere. I'm surprised she's not here crying right now, you know. But, but it's beautiful. I, I love that. I'm a crier too, and I love the hearts of that. I, I love the reality. And Charles at the back, I know you're busy filming, you behind the camera, as what a servant-hearted man. Not just in media, servant-hearted in so many areas. I remember being in his home uh, with a team of staff and, and watching him serve. And I went, this heart is a heart that overflows into whatever you ask him to do. It's not just that he feels like he's the creative around here. He has a huge heart to see this church ser well-served and flourish. These are just a few of the people. I, I don't know if Drew's here. Is Drew here? Wave at me, Drew. Drew's in Ethiopia. Drew's my carnival buddy right? We were playing golf. I was 31 kilograms heavier in April last year than I was by December last year. And Drew saw me at Paul and them's thing. And he was like, Ryan, come on, we need to talk. We need to talk. And now he's my carnivore disciple, right? <laughs> and he's doing well and he's lost 15 kgs. And I'm like, yes, go man, you got this. But it all happens out of relationship, right? It's a beautiful thing. And guess what? It is for are goods. Recently, we had Donnie and Jill Griggs, another uh, couple who serve on the global team. They're from North Carolina. They live in a very small town. There's 10,000 people in their town, and they roughly have 2,000 of them coming to church on a Sunday. Okay? Remarkable. You walk into the bottle store, and the lady behind the counter goes, hey, Donnie. Like, those guys, they, he's written the book, Small Town Jesus. And guess what? When he was with us, and we've been in Cape Town uh, on staff at Common Ground for 23 years, and he said to me, Ryan, you have made the city a small town just by relationally connecting with people, reaching out to people. Every single place we, we're bumping into people is relational connection. And I'll tell you, it's one of the richest parts of my life is relational connection and the deep relational connection that comes from being gospel community. Guys, we give ourselves to all of these things because of the beauty and the transformative power of what being in relationship means to our lives. I am sharpening iron. I don't know where I am in my notes. What a privilege to, after 10, 12 years of getting to know these guys and walking a bit closer, Gareth and Nadine, now see them coming, their lives interrupted, them relocating here into Stellenbosch and gospel partnership. What a great joy. What a beautiful thing. I see it in this church. You guys have it. I want to say hold to it dearly. Continue to feed that. Continue to water it. Whatever we water and feed grows. Whatever we, we, we don't water and feed dies.
You need to continue water and feed that. And I want to say, hey, maybe you're in the room today, you're brand new to the context of church. Moses says to some other guys in the scripture, he says these words, walk with us and we will do you good. I believe that this community will do you good. I believe that we have a loneliness epidemic in our world today. I believe the church stands brightly and beautifully as an invitation to all to come and find their place amongst the people of God before their lords. Let me charge you one hope. Saints in Stellenbosch, can I freshly encourage you to prioritize real gospel relationships. They're part of God's redemptive plan in your life and his missional purpose for this church. We can't do it alone. What about gospel mission? I want to say, like Paul says to the church in Philippi, thank you for your partnership in the gospel from this day. From the happen here in the, in the reality of any partnership. If you're going into a business partnership or a marriage or relational partnership, there, there is some cost and some benefits. And Paul says this, he communicates the range very beautifully here. He says, for you are all partakers with me of grace. In our partnership, we get to partake in grace. There's beauty and goodness in that. But he says, hey, you've also seen that grace extends to my imprisonment. And in the defense, the confirmation of the gospel, that there's grace, there's benefit there, but there's also cost. You've been partakers with me in, in my imprisonment. He celebrates that the Philippian church has not just been his gospel partner and his friend in the good times, but they've stood with him in the bad times. How did it work? Paul is in prison. In those days, in prison, you didn't get any food. If you didn't have people bringing you food, supporting you, strengthening you, you would just die off. And that's one way for the state to deal with you, right? And so what happens here is Paul is actually writing this letter to the church in Philippi to thank them for their ongoing support of him. And I can imagine a few of the accountants in the Philippi church kind of going, hey guys, I'm d I've done the cost-benefit analysis. This guy is in jail. He's most probably going to be killed pretty soon. I would suggest, let's not help him. Bad return on investment, the, the dude that's about to die. But they don't. They say, we are going to support Paul. And think about this, this little church. We have no evidence that they'd, they'd grown much bigger than the house church in Lydia's home, right? They could still be a group of 50 people, we don't know. But these 50 people generously sent funds to support what was happening in Paul's life. And Paul penned some of the most important parts of the New Testament because he was being economically supported by this small group of people. Gospel partners, they are shareholders and stakeholders in what was happening and what has happened for the last 2,000 years because of the power of the scriptures written under their supports. How beautiful is that? Guys, let me tell you, we need to give ourselves freshly to saying, God, we're going to give our very best to being part of everything you're doing right here in Stellenbosch and to the very ends of the worlds. I believe you guys are gospel partners. 
I see that. I see that in the way that you've received the grace of the gospel, that you're working your geographical spot here in Stellenbosch. You have a hope for it, and you're bringing Alpha, and you're getting people to think well, and you have a warm, engaging Sunday. You're working your field here in Stellenbosch, but also you're partnering into the nations of the world. I think that's beautiful. Did you know, I'm not sure if the elders tell you this very regularly, but maybe some of you might not know, that every single month, a a percentage, 2% of the resources that come into this church are given to Advanced Global. And through Advanced Global, we are part of breaking new areas open, planting churches in the very ends of the earth. I regularly tell my church, guys, this month we got to participate in what's happening in Australia. Yes, Jesus, won't you multiply our little kind of breads and fishes and loaves to make an impact all around the world. And every month we give 1% to Advance Africa, and through that we're putting roofs on churches in Uganda. We are sending teams to, to go and strengthen and train and equip pastors and churches and leaders. We're breaking new areas open. We're inviting gifts from the outside to come and equip the body. Guys, you are gospel partners already. And, and I want to say, and, and this is most probably where I need to jump to the next point, so let me just say this. Prophetically over this point of gospel partnership, let me charge you one hope saints who are in Stellenbosch. God has a global commission and mission and you are part of it. Be generous gospel partners. Send and sow regularly and watch this church become a beacon of hope and a light to the nations of the world. I want to say there's more. That's my last point. There's more. One hope, there's more. In essence, Paul says, hey, that God who started a work in you, he's going to continue working in you. All the way through to when he returns, he's going to present us beautifully, perfect on that day. But Paul doesn't want them to settle. Paul says more and more. May your love abound more and more. Guys, I want to say God has more and more in store for you in gospel relationships here. Your friends, your family, your colleagues. God has more in store for you when it comes to the nations of the world. God has seen fit to add this couple to your ranks. Whenever people come to our DNA back in Bosch, I'll say to them, What is it in us? That God wants to do in the future that he has added your gifts and your skills to this community. Because he is sovereign, right? God is sovereign. He's large and in charge. He knows what he's doing. I believe that God is going to unlock something in the area of gospel partnership for this church to serve right here where it is in more beautiful ways. More and more. And also beyond itself. Gareth is the privilege of leading our activators team on the African continent and we've got four hubs and each of those hubs has got a a kind of leadership team and and Gareth hosts and facilitates and coordinates the efforts of those teams so that we can see churches planted and strengthened across the African continents. And now he's in this context. I'm hoping that that gift will ignite some things in this community. I believe it's true. God in his sovereignty has brought him here to do this. I I believe that Gareth and Nadine are are something of a Titus type uh, uh, character. What do I mean by that? Every single time that we've said, hey, Gareth, can you help with this? 
We've seen the beauty of coming in, assessing situations, what's lacking, what's needed. Paul says to Titus, I've left you there so you can put things in order. And, and, and that's Garrett's gift. He puts things in order and, and then he develops team, puts team in place. And then he says, yep, this is the plan and this is how we're doing it. We need Tituses to be released within the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful picture. God is sovereign and he has more in store for you. But the more is not just on the outside activity. See, this gospel has to continue to take ground, not just to the ends of the earth, but to the depths of our hearts. So Paul says this, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellence, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Guys, if this is not a commission to get to these think nuts, I don't know what is. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What a beautiful commission. All of us living as we should. Who are we? If we understand that we are saints, and that we are in Christ Jesus and that we're in relationship. And what are we called to do? We're about his business. The most exciting thing happening on the planet today is what Jesus is up to. When we understand these things and ultimately we give ourselves over to them, he is glorified and praised. Let me charge you one hope. Saints in Stellenbosch, be open to the more that God has for you. He is doing a fresh work. I believe it with all my heart. He has plans and purposes and he is calling you freshly into the limit. Let him start with you, with your life, with your spiritual maturity, with your heart, with your pain, with your brokenness. He is the God that brings beauty out of brokenness, but it doesn't end there. He's going to use this church for much, much more. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your words, the beauty of all that this truth means to our lives today. God, I pray that, Spirit, you have been getting hold of hearts, that you would be in beautifully, beautiful ways, Father, taking from this moment fresh commission, fresh passion, fresh clarity of vision, God, that you would set this people apart freshly to your purpose in this next season. Thank you, God, for all you are doing. We love you. We bless you. We honor you. We praise you. We say, come and have your will and your ways achieved in our lives. We pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Guys, we are going to take a few more minutes to see ordinations happen here this morning. And uh, so I'm going to ask Gareth and Nadine if you guys will come and stand up here with me. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that God gives good gifts to his church. And I believe that God is giving a very good gift to this church in this couple. And we're actually going to do four things here today. So I'm going to give you a heads up on what those four things are, right? I think all of these things are biblically encouraged. 
And so I'm going to say, firstly, we are going to be laying hands on Gareth, and we're going to be setting him apart to the office of eldership, to be a father governmentally recognized in this spiritual family. That's the first thing we're going to do. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to invite you guys to verbalize your willing participation, recognition, and submission to Gareth's leadership as an elder in this church. Now, those are all really big, scary words, right? But, but I really believe that it is so important for us in our day and age to say, yes, we receive this as a gift, and secondly, we willingly submit and participate for God's goodness that will come through us working in God's economy and the way he does things, not in the way that we would do things. So that's the second thing we're going to do. We're going to invite you guys to say some big I do's here. The third thing we're going to do is that we're going to bless Nadine and in her corresponding grace and commission to be a mother in this community and to be received so as such and to bring her gifts to bear as life-givingly and as fruitfully as she can do so. And so we're going we're gonna to bless her in this next season. And then the fourth thing we're going to do is I'm going to actually ask the elders to come up and to, to actually verbalize their invitation so in scripture, we see plurality, which is team, and we see point leadership. And so we're actually saying not only is Gareth stepping onto this eldership team, but he's being asked by these elders to play point leadership, a first among equal servant leading role, because every team in scripture seems to flourish and function better when you have plurality and point leadership. And so we're going to actually see the elders extend an invitation to Gareth to be point leader in the plurality. Does that make sense? Four things happening, right? Great. We're going to start with you, though, Gareth. This is a big moment. Like, like, like um, we were saying even in the prayer meeting, I think Steve said it, this is not ceremony. We genuinely do believe that something wonderful and powerful and supernatural happens when we lay hands on a, a person. And we see that in the scriptures. A, an anointing and a, and a grace comes upon leaders to function in, in this way. And so, Gareth, I want to say to be appointed to the office of an elder implies that you have met the biblical qualifications as laid out in Timothy and Titus and also feel called by God, approved by the congregation. Nobody has so far given objection, right? And recognized and recognizes one who is worthy of this office. So, Gareth, my first question to you is this. Let me ask you, do you believe that you meet the biblical qualifications to be an elder? Do you sense the call of God to be an elder in this church? And do you believe that you are fit to be recognized in the office of eldership here at One Hope? I do. Secondly, the scriptures speak about how an elder should desire to be an elder, an overseer. Gareth, do you desire to be a shepherd to these sheep, a father? In this family, a guardian of doctrine and direction and discipleship and discipline and the dollars here in this local church? And do you desire to serve and care and guard and guide and govern this spiritual family? I really do. Gareth, 1 Peter 5 instructs elders to give their best efforts to the local church. From the right heart, it says this, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, 
as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Gareth, will you give your very best efforts to love and serve these people and fulfill the role of an elder in the local church in all of these manners? I will, and I also know I need God's enabling power to do that and make that our will possible. Yeah. Gareth, Paul in 2 Timothy 4 charges Timothy, a fellow elder, to preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching, always sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Gareth, will you endeavor to do the same and work hard to fulfill the courageous role of leadership in these people's lives? I will, and again, I really am asking God for his help. I was struck this morning by that passage with patience, mm -hmm. and I was telling the guys yesterday that's sometimes been some of my struggles, but I ask God for a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit and help to do all of those. Yeah, very good. Gareth, do you now vow to join Christ, the head of the church, in laying down your life in willing service of these people to represent the truth of who he is, the life he has called us to, and to live, called us to live, and the mission that he's called us to participate in? Is it I will or I do? <laughs> I do. I yeah. do. Excellent. Thank you. We're going to get to praying for Gareth in, in just a minute, but church, let me speak to you here. This is your moment to respond. And I just want to say, this is a recognition, this is a receiving, this is a willing submission, and this is a commitment. And so think carefully about those words. Hebrews 13 and verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. So can I ask you, if you're a member of this church... Uh, officially, or if you say, no, this is my church and I'm willingly participating, can I invite you to stand for a moment, please? If you're guests or visitors, there's going to be a bunch of people sitting. So I'm going to ask you one hope, church, the answer to all these questions is we do, if you want to positively affirm, right? Do you receive Gareth as a shepherd in this community and into your lives? Do you receive him as a gift given by God to the church for your maturity, well-being, strengthening, and protection? Do you willingly submit to his leadership and do you aim to make his life as a leader a joy? That doesn't mean his life just generally foot massages. It means his, his life as a leader, right? Great. And because the scriptures instruct you to pray for your leaders, do you commit to praying regularly for them as a couple and for Gareth as an elder that they may receive the grace needed from God to play this servant leadership role? Brilliant. Thank you. You guys may be seated. Let's, let's get the elders up here real quick. Oh, actually, sorry. Sit down, guys. Let's. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to Nadine. Nadine, you, you've heard me say it today. I am personally 
absolutely convinced that there is power and there is beauty in plurality. And from the very nature of God's, through to team and marriage and team and family and community and all of those things, plurality is beautiful and it's powerful. And so Nadine, I want to say that I believe with all my heart that you are going to be a force for good in this community. And I believe that God is going to use your gifts, so many as they are, such a natural mother to so many. And I want to see, I, I, I hope to see in the time to come that your life and leadership would be such a blessing to One Hope Church in so many ways. And so today, as Gareth steps into this office of elder, I, I want to say there is great benefit in you guys doing this out of the strength of your marriage. There's great benefit out of the two of you bringing the perspective that you have to that eldering. And there's great benefit to bringing the different gifts that you have to that eldering. And so we hope to see the Priscilla and Quilla dynamics of Scripture at work in every eldership couple. So Nadine, let me ask you, will you willingly serve these people alongside your husband, seeking to enable him to fulfill the role God's entrusting to him in this local church? I will. Will you courageously exercise your gifts, add your voice and your wisdom as a mother to the flourishing of this family of faith? I will. And will you pray for this people, love them, care for them, and be there for them to the best of your ability and strength? With God's help, I definitely will. Brilliant. That's so good. So far, all the right answers, everyone. <laughs> now, can we grab the elders to jump up here just because uh, you're going to be up here? I'm going to invite the, the elders up first and then their wives to come and join them in a minute and some of our other guests. Fellow elders, Gareth is not... Uh, just being ordained onto the eldership team here today. You've invited him to step into this role of being a first among equals, leader within this team as the eldership together lead the church. And so I know technically Bates wasn't meaning this, but Bates earlier said, we're so excited that they've come to lead the church. Now, I just want to say, guys, I'm happy to get a little kind of tripped up on the technicality because actually... God's asked this eldership team to lead this church. And so Bates believes that. It was just the English language that failed him in the moment, right? The, the, point, the point I'm trying to make is I want to make it crystal clear that Gareth is not leading this church. Who's leading the church? Ooh, see, I almost caught you out. And some of you said it right. I said it earlier. Christ is the head of the church. He is the only head. The rest of us are all body, and so all of us are in Christ's servant leadership roles, elders and deacons. And so these elders are called to govern and guide and protect and all of that, but they do all of that under Christ's headship. Christ leads this church, and the plurality of this eldership, then servant leads as under shepherds, and Gareth has been asked to do this. So guys... I want to ask you, fellow elders, uh, we do is the right answer. Fellow elders, do we today recognize and celebrate Gareth as a fellow elder on this team? We do. Uh, fellow elders, do you ask Gareth to play the role of team leader and to help bring out the best in this team by serving it in that unique way? We do. And then, fellow elders, will you aim to make his life uh, a joy and support, encourage and pray for him as a leader in your life and in this eldership team? We will. Great. Brilliant. Beautiful. I'm going to invite our guests to come and join us, Jeff. And, and are Stephen Kaz here? No. 
I saw someone look that way, so I wondered if they were, maybe. But why don't you guys jump up here? Wives, why don't you guys come and jump up here too? We're going to take a moment to... Uh, we're going to take a moment to, to do these two things. We're going to pray for Gareth, and then we're going to pray for Nadine. We're going to start by praying the ordaining prayer. There's no special prayer to pray. What we do see in the scriptures is that they say it seems good to us in the Spirit that we would set these people apart to this purpose. And so through the act of laying on of hands, we are going to, to do that. And so, Gareth, we want to do that now, not out of ceremony, but out of dependence and recognition that God is at work. Father, thank you so much for Gareth. Thank you for the many gifts that you've given him. Thank you for his gift of leadership. And God, today we want to set him apart to eldership in One Hope Church. And God, we pray that there would be that anointing and that corresponding heavenly grace poured out upon him right now as he steps into this office. God, would you give him fresh governments? Would you give him fresh discernment? Would you give him fresh patience, God, to, to do what you have called him to do in this office of elder? May he find himself with a fresh fatherly heart. May he find himself freshly pouring out his life as Christ did for the church. We bless your work in him and through him. And with great joy, we set him apart as an elder in One Hope Church. Bless your holy name, God. Amen. Father, we pray for Nadine. We ask, God, that you would bring rich blessing and goodness upon her life. Father, may there be a corresponding work of your grace in her life, which sees her operating in new ways and at a beautiful level. God, we, we remove all pressure and all expectations. She is not a first lady. There are no community expectations from her that are unsanctified. And yet, God, we say, won't you freshly deploy her into the fullness of the use of the gifts that you have given her? May she stand fully and courageously before you one day saying, God, I've poured my life out in the ways you've called me to. What a great privilege. We pray for life and freshness and fresh courage and conviction and capacity to come upon her. Holy Spirit, do this work, we pray. We bless you, Jesus. Just any others that want to pray or share words or... I just, um, as we were praying last year, actually, around who should come lead this church, um, God gave me a picture um, of a tree, and um, it's kind of like a, a tree that was, or yeah, two trees that are kind of grafted together, and I really just felt that there was a, there's a type of shading that One Hope currently gives to people, a refuge that it gives, there's fruit that it bears. And God wanted to bring um, this other tree to us that's going to enable One Hope to sh uh, kind of shepherd and shade and feed more people. That's going to be more fruit. And so, Father, I just thank you for um, Gareth and just the gift that he's bringing in Nadine. And I just thank you, Father, that you are you sovereignly have seen One Hope and who she is and what you have for her and you brought someone of their own giftings, their own history, their own kind of anointing and what you have for them and you're, you're uniting this thing into something that it wouldn't be 
otherwise, Father. So I just want to pray a blessing um, over One Hope as they come, Father, as they bring their gifts. Father, may you uh, grow her into a tree that flourishes, that is full of fruit, where we see um, birds, bird, lots of life of birds and animals under it in a way, Father God, they can, people can find shade and fruit and life. And Father, we want to come and, and, and set our hearts and our eyes on where you're wanting to take one hope, Father God. May we lean into that, King. And I pray that, that you would enable and anoint and encourage, uh, that you'd encourage Gareth to lean into what you've called him to, Father, that he would carry his giftings with conviction and plow it into this church, Father. And through that, you would make something magnificent, King. In uh, Acts chapter 20, where... Uh Paul commits the Ephesian elders, he's in Miletus and he's about to depart, he says in verse 32, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. And just in this moment, uh, Gareth and Nadine, we want to commit you to God. And we want to commit you to the message of the gospel, to the word of grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst those that are sanctified. And we pray that the reality of God, the reality of grace would build you up personally, but more than that, it would give you an inheritance amongst this community here. And then Paul concludes by saying, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive and that as you pour out your life uh, for the good of God's people you will be blessed <laughs> in doing that there is a great blessing that awaits you in pouring out your life for Christ and his bride yeah I just want to affirm that this calling for Gareth for you and Nadine is a calling from God and just such a sense that um, it was God who called you here to lead as we um, as a team sat down, um, we didn't have wisdom, we didn't have, it wasn't us that was called you, but that was God that has called you here. Just had this picture for both of you of um, the anointing oil dripping down from Aaron's beard. I know it's a bit of a strange picture, but more what I was sensing uh, just is an overflow of the presence of the Spirit uh, being uh, freshly deposited into both of your lives as you said yes to the call of God as you've stood into a new stepped into a new role in his family um, that he will meet your every need and that he will uh, empower you fully by his spirit and I just felt from Psalm 133 uh, that a big part of this anointing or uh, kind of symbolically the spirit being with you in, in greater measure would be for the sake of the unity of the brothers so Psalm 133 says Behold how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell together. It's like the precious oil on the head uh, running down on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. And so I do pray, Father, that that would be the experience reality of Gareth and Nadine in this new season, that they'd experience a fresh and greater anointing by your Holy Spirit to do the work that you've called them uniquely to do in this community in this time, Father, that they would see unity amongst the brothers just be characteristic of their ministry and lives, God, and that it would be for the good, not just of one hope, but of Stellenbosch and even beyond. In Jesus' name. Um, there's a, a, a verse in um, Hebrews 11, verse 34. It says this, Out of their weakness they were made strong. 
And um, for you both, um, God's just reminded me of John seven thirty seven, where Jesus said, if any of you are thirsty, come to me. And um, in your weakness, always go to him. Don't go to books. Don't go to things. Go to Jesus. Because his promise is that if you come to him, from within you will flow rivers of living water. And I know that's your heart and I know that's your passion to bring life into people's lives, into the life of the church. And so, Lord, I pray that when they feel the weakness, they will rejoice because they will know they can rely on you. And your promise was that if we come to you and drink, Lord, from within us will flow your life. And I pray that your life will flow from them to this community in ways that, uh, Lord, are way beyond their expectation and way beyond the expectation of One Hope Church. We pray for a new grace, a new anointing, a freshness, uh, life and life in its fullness, Lord, will be the portion for this One Hope Church and for Gareth and Nadine as they lead this team. We pray your grace and your favor and your blessing over them, Lord. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I just want to thank you, Father God, for our friends and our brother and sister in Christ that you are gifting to this church today. Thank you that you have gone ahead of them. You've gone ahead of this church, Lord God, that you have positioned them here for your delightful purposes. Thank you. It's a thing of beauty and it's a thing of joy. And I pray that you'd flood them with your spirit today, Lord God, that they would step into this role knowing that you are the one that sustains, you are the one that nourishes, you are the one that gives the wisdom, that guides them, that gives them the boldness, the courage, that will provide for their every step. And I pray that they would really flourish here, that it would just be such, um, yeah, just serving with joyful worship, that they'd be able to point others to Christ faithfully, and that you would bless them as they lead here, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we bless our friends. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Sorry. This is just a gift from us as elders to you guys. Um, you can kind of see kind of what it is. But it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, just being in Stellenbosch, so it's a kind of a cheese board from a wine barrel. And there's a little note there on for you guys. And just to commemorate this moment, something that you'll have in your home as you kind of host people and remember the gift that God's put in you and why he's brought you here. So, love you guys. Thanks so much. So that's a little gift from your internal family, a little gift from your external family, something else that's from Stellenbosch. Um, these are freedom of movement shoes for each of you. But... Here's, here's, I'm not sure if you, I, I know they say it in Bates' thing, there's a prophetic kind of message behind this. So one, uh, I want you guys to know that you're from Stellenbosch from here on out, but you're walking in a new season and you're walking into, sent from Stellenbosch, so many other things. And what's so beautiful about those freedom of movement shoes is I feel like that not just that title, freedom of movement, I feel like there's going to be a new freedom of movement that you guys live into in this next season. But if you look on the back, uh, the bottom of the fellies, that it's, it says, keep moving, uh, what is it? Stay free, keep moving. And I, I do feel like there's this, like, hey, don't let the tentacles of Stellenbosch hold you. 
There's a stay free and everything that God's calling you to keep moving. God has the nations of the worlds, but you guys will from here on out be sent from this base church to do that. So there's a, every time you wear them, you have to think all those thoughts, right? Yeah. Brilliant. Guys, can I invite you to stand? We're going to pray one last blessing over you, then I'll hand back to Bates. But let's stay in the front here. Where are you guys going? Where are you guys going? Yeah. What's so beautiful is that it is ultimately about saints. These are just gifts given for the maturing of the body, the well-being of the body, and the catalyzing of the mission. But guys, I want to say you're the team. And so, Father, today as we go from this place, I want to set this team apart freshly to your purposes, to live in the fullness of their identity as saints in Christ Jesus called to be a part of your most exciting mission. And so, God, we, we bless this church. We say, God, won't you cause your face to shine upon one hope freshly? Won't you be with them? Won't you make your love and your grace and your goodness known to them? And God, won't you make your love and your kindness and your goodness known through them to this city that you've called them to love and serve? May Stellenbosch be blessed through this blessed people in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Should we do a little cheer and a clap? Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Gareth and the team. <laughs> Amazing. Sure, what a beautiful time together. We love you guys, and may God do incredible things through the work of your hands in this community.